0: And it is the Saturday Coffee Clutch with Heather Lofthouse Said yours truly, Robert Reich. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us. Welcome back. Uh, this is the third anniversary of the Biden administration, of Biden's inauguration. And uh, where Trump, I mean, can you, I mean, Trump didn't show for that inauguration. That was no, not I exactly know. an easy transition, the kind of transition the founders of America uh, thought about. I think it was, no. you know. Well, we'll get into talking about Donald Trump, Heather. Uh, how if We are have you? to.
1: If we have to, I think we have to. Well, let's start with that, unfortunately, and then we can move on. Um, so, the Iowa caucuses this week. <sighs> you know, it's,
0: it's so interesting because uh, they happened Monday, and today's Saturday, and it feels like it was a different year. I mean, there's been so much news. Yeah. But uh, were you impressed by those Iowa caucuses, Heather?
1: impressed is not the word I would use. And I do. I mean, there's confirmation bias is real. I mean, I like to find the, you know, journalists and pundits and everyone else who are saying it wasn't as historic as we all think it was or said it was. Um, I mean, let's look at the numbers, right? 110,000 people. Um, it was 186,000 in 2016 that came out, right? So lesser, and there was weather. I mean, we are not the first to talk about this. But well, the, I turnout like... was
0: the, lo- the, the turnout was the lowest in right. something in the order of 20 years. But yep. what got my eye and my attention is that Donald Trump got 2% of the vote of Iowans. I mean, if you, right. <laughs> if you look at the total vote he got, it's 2% right. of Iowa. And, and Iowa even of the
1: Republicans, is... it was under 10%. Right? Yeah, that's right,
0: right, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. So you got 2% of Iowa. Right. Iowa is a measly, I mean, I hate to, I'm not derog- being derogatory. right. No, you, you love know, Iowa. Iowa does a measly percentage of the United States. I mean, to to read anything into that Iowa caucus of right. obviously the major media did, uh, I think is is absurd.
1: Well, that's the important thing. What can you extrapolate from 110,000 000- people, you know, in Iowa. The other poll I really like to see was that there were over 25% or around 25% of likely caucus goers, Republicans, would said they would not vote for Biden, excuse me, Trump in the general. Um, and you that's mean if he's,
0: interesting. If, if he's convicted.
1: If he's convicted and in general, they said it. So if he's convicted, the numbers go even higher. Um, But so there's a discrepancy between what we're seeing today and what people envision in November and where things might stand. And I have to remember that.
0: Well, I I think we all do, because it's easy to get mean, particularly with the press already proclaiming him the nominee and maybe even the president. It's easy at this early point. I mean, nine months or more before the election to get kind of uh, crazy. And we have to be careful uh, we don't. Right. Uh, I mean, the things that I that really uh, stuck out for me mm-hmm. this week, uh, rather than the Iowa caucus, were what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in right. the Middle East, uh, what's happening with the continuing resolution, what the Republicans are doing on the Hill, particularly the House Republicans. Uh, do you want to talk okay. about that a little bit, Heather?
1: I mean, yes. So uh, government shutdown averted...
0: Right. Maybe. I mean, that's that's good. Let's let's celebrate. That's a positive.
1: It's good, but what Mike Johnson is up to, I mean, it's problematic. You tell us what's happening in terms of choices made about Ukraine and the border.
0: Well, Mike Johnson is in a very very difficult spot. Uh, not surprise, surprising, uh, because he's got to keep his right wing happy. Yeah. They can vote him out of being speaker tomorrow. Uh, and any one of them could I mean, they could call for a vote and and it, and he only has a very tiny uh, majority anyway. Yeah. Uh, so he's got to keep them happy, but at the same time, uh, he has gone along with a continuing resolution uh, yeah. which is making them very unhappy uh, in order to to get aid to Ukraine. That's he it. is telling the Biden administration that they've got to give way to the radical right Republicans. On immigration, what do the radical right immigration Republicans, what radical right Republicans want on immigration? They basically want to cut down on uh, asylum, uh, yep. the legal uh, yep. uh, right yep. that we've had and pride. We prided ourselves in this country. You know, right. if people are, are escaping from from violence and and repression, we, they want to cut back on that. Uh, they also want to cut back on something called humanitarian. Parole, parole. Uh, yep. which is something that we've given to pe- uh, people who are escaping Ukraine, to people who are escaping from Afghanistan. I, I mean, it's a humanitarian. Uh, right. it, you know, it, it, it's usually because we, in the United States, as a matter of public policy and our own sympathies, want to help these people. Well, no, uh, we the, the Republicans don't want to do that either.
1: I know the human aspect to it is, you know just lacking in so much of the coverage that's happening as well.
0: Well, the coverage is not terribly helpful. Most people in this country are not terribly in favor of new immigrants coming in. Uh, And, uh, you know, just like trade is not popular, well, even worse than that is immigration. And you can't be somebody campaigning on more immigrants, letting more immigrants in. Uh, Although, Heather, honestly, most of the uh, most of the things that the Republicans are uh, are sort of fueling this fear of immigrants with are bogus. Uh, they make yeah, no sense. That's exactly the idea exactly. that immigrants are taking away jobs from Americans, Yep. baloney i mean we have the extremely low unemployment rate right. Uh, right. for you know for four years under or for two years certainly under under four percent uh we've had uh and the the idea that immigrants are bringing in fentanyl and uh, all all sorts of dangerous drugs again is belied by the data which shows that most of that 90 percent of it is coming through the ports of entry uh 86 is coming in with with u.s citizens uh, right. I mean, it's it, it, one thing after another. They are yeah. they are demagoguing, uh, and, but unfortunately, it's getting through.
1: Yeah, and lies and conflation around crime rates. I mean, you pick it. They're going after it. This reminds me of you wrote a piece on Substack, one of about 40, I think it was this week. Um, you had a lot to say, and I loved it, um, was about Jamie Dimon. So he is, he and a lot of the uber-wealthy, you know, are at Davos this week, Davos. Um, And he said a number of things on CNBC where he was saying, you know, Trump, I mean, he was right about a lot of stuff. I mean, let me do a list. NATO, immigration.
0: Heather, Heather, let's be clear. I mean, Jamie Dimon is the most influential CEO in the United States. Uh, He speaks for American business over and over again. He is the chairman and CEO of... J P. Morgan Chase, the biggest bank in the United States, so he has huge clout uh, and huge political clout and for him to say, and he did this Wednesday for him to say that Trump was basically right on immigration and Trump was right on the economy and Trump was right on taxes and uh, you know to to basic to say that trump uh, the Trump administration that we all suffered through. Uh, was not as bad as many of us think, and we should you know, maybe rethink our positions on Trump. That, to me, is shameful. I mean, shame on Jamie Dimon. Uh, and, Dimond, but also
1: because, CNBC, the journalists, no one pushes back on it. Everyone kind of well, nods their heads.
0: Because they, they they don't want to, in any way, uh, jeopardize their access to Jamie Dimon. Yeah. And yeah. They, Jamie Dimon doesn't want to jeopardize his access to a possible Trump administration. That's the game here that's being played yeah. because da- Diamond came out in favor of uh, Nikki Haley. right? Uh, and then uh, Trump was incensed and, and Trump said publicly on Truth Social on his, on his post, well, then I don't have to deal with Jamie Dimon in the future. Uh, well, it, you can imagine the effect on Jamie Dimon, who has all this influence and, and is the expected back-tracking. to have the I know. Uh, When he hears that Trump says, "Well, I'm not going to even deal with him anymore." Yeah. You know, if I become president, Jamie yeah. Dimon now is basically uh, doing what he can to right. ingratiate right. himself with Trump.
1: Right, and we can't. I know you say this, and we say this, and a lot of people say it, but the importance of the media in this day and age, and there's a lack of trust in it, and that's understandable. But you see all these studies that show that when the media are saying things like, Biden's old, Biden's terrible, no one likes Biden, Biden's the worst. And when you're leading with that versus not even Trump's the worst, which they could also say, but these are Trump's indictments, and these are the facts that are happening, and these are lies. Whether
0: um, the Trump is, is, the out, of a, or the Trump is out of his board, people. you know, that Trump well, is right. actually... You know, but even if I mean, we don't
1: look at that, even if we don't go there, just listing the fact of indictments changes how people see the world.
0: Yeah, well, I, I again, I'm struck by how many Republicans say they are not going to vote for Trump if he is convicted. Right. Uh, and what worries me is that his entire strategy yeah. with regard to all of those cases is delay, delay, delay.
1: Right. Uh, and I'm not so, talking
0: about Tom delay. I'm talking about delay.
1: No, yeah, different delay. Um, but so it's so interesting. I, so, so it's both sidesism. We've talked about that and false equivalence. Right. So there are logical fallacies happening. But then there's what you just said. There's a fear of going against the people with the power. That's a Or people who might
0: have the power. Yeah, that, right. that's what really worries me, and I see more of Heather because, and this is, this is out of the fascist playbook. I mean, this yeah. is what happened in Germany in 1933, 1934. You have all of the leaders of society beginning to say, well, uh, maybe um, this fascist is not so bad because they want access, they want, they want to be able to influence the next administration and so it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling awful frightening uh perpetual uh fulfilling uh, you know fulfillment it, it 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 it's what jamie Dimon. when jamie Dimon, who is the most influential leading business figure in america right. does what he did and said compliments trump's policies uh and doesn't even mention the fact that trump is a traitor and trump is a dangerous loony bin uh to America, uh, that is a signal to the rest of corporate America and CEOs. Well, you better get in line.
1: Right. Speaking of CEOs, how about Boeing? So you put a couple pieces out this week about Boeing. A lot of people have said some interesting things. Tell well, us about, you,
0: yeah. I said, uh, and I hope you excuse my language. I said Boeing, you know, Boeing that. is one of the shittiest companies in, a, in the world. We uh, forgive you. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, I mean, you look at—it's a monopoly for one thing. Uh, monop- Boeing was allowed in the nineteen nineties to merge with McDonnell Douglas, the only competitor, so that you have one giant. Na- basically, it ought to be nationalized. It's it's, it's one giant privately held firm, uh, on which we are totally dependent. The entire right. airline industry is dependent. It can't yeah. get Airbus. The Airbus is the only competitor. It's European. Right. Uh, there, there is a huge backlog of Airbuses because it's the quality is better for Airbus. Uh, and just CEO, let's remind people,
1: Boeing CEO makes twenty two and a half million, I think, a year, even if his bonus doesn't happen. Sometimes,
0: which, is six, which which, Heather is six times the pay of the of the of of Airbus of Airbus's right. CEO. Right. I mean, exactly. and and Boeing has a, you know, the trouble is if you're a monopolist. Uh, you get fat and lazy uh, and boeing boeing 's shareholders are not public shareholders like airbus boeing 's shareholders are big financial institutions they are pushing Boeing uh, to have higher and higher profits, so it, the stock price goes higher and what does Boeing do? It outsources a lot of equipment i mean the the plug that you know that the window plug that basically sh- b- burst out of that. Air Alaska plane. That plug was not made in Wichita, Kansas, by Boeing. That plug was out; had been outsourced uh, to some firm in Malaysia. I mean, right. and this is where you get some of these inevitable. When 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 you're only looking at profits, uh, you you get some of these inevitable um, attempts to cut costs. And, and then, did sales. you
1: see related to this? Um More Elon Musk horribleness where he was coming out and saying, you know, the reason this happened at Boeing and there were bolts issues is because of DEI initiatives.
0: Well, Elon Musk, I mean, uh, I I, I hate to even quote him. You know, when I'm not fulminating against and feeling outraged by Trump, I mean, who is the other proto-fascist in America who is even less responsible? Uh, Elon Musk.
1: I know, and his reach is so far. And I mean, the number of white folks in leadership positions, CEO on down. I mean, it's just the facts are, it's racist. I mean, come on. Um, but then can we do, there was some positive antitrust news. Who doesn't love some positive antitrust news? Where, <laughs> well,
0: I live from positive antitrust
1: Well, you news. actually do. I mean, I really do. I know do. you do. This is old news. But so we had JetBlue and Spirit. Not able to merge, Department of Justice says, is the latest. Talk a little bit about that. That's a big deal.
0: It is a big deal. And um, uh, and you know, the Department of Justice, the antitrust division of the Department of Justice uh, and the Federal Trade Commission are the, are the two big antitrust agencies, anti-monopoly agencies in the United States. Uh, uh, in terms of antitrust enforcement, both of them have been some moribund. I mean, they, they haven't done anything for years. Under Biden, they're both really, really energetic, alive activists. Uh, They are making it difficult for a lot of firms to merge. And they are looking uh, very, very closely at Amazon, at at Google. Uh, They are forcing the lawyers, the solicitors, the general counsels in a lot of these big corporations to right. in turn say to the CEOs, wait a minute, before you do that merger or before you do this, uh, just think twice, we don't wanna have a big monopol- anti-monopoly case. That's right. good, that's right. good.
1: Right, right. Now, it's this is such a conundrum, right? So this is fabulous stuff that Biden has done as it relates to breaking up big corporations and not allowing too much power, which helps consumers and the economy, all of it, right? Um, But it's in terms of political messaging, which is we talk about this a lot, it's so interesting because just going out and doing a list, a video, a something that says, look at all I did, does not go over well with people these days. And I have to say, I I mean, you think about it. This is a little overly reductionist. But I mean, when I'm liaising with my husband and I'm like, look at what I did all day, look at the list, expecting him to do something different in the future, he doesn't love that. That's not a great way to communicate with him. Well, it's so not a great way to
0: get him to do more. I mean, well, that's
1: my point. But so in terms yeah. of political messaging, Biden's doing all these things. And then I know people get frustrated and say, well, we should shout them from the mountaintops. But it's interesting that it doesn't necessarily help as it relates to the election to shout from the mountaintops as such without putting a clear villain out there. Yeah. I think that's that's
0: absolutely about. right. Heather. Uh, the, Heather, there are two problems when Biden tries to uh, campaign as he's doing it and all his surrogates are trying to do uh, by uh, kind of bragging about uh, Bidenomics. One problem is that, and this is the perennial problem. I remember in the Clinton administration, it was the same thing. Uh, when you tell people how good they have it, uh, inevitably they say, really? I mean, I have, you know, I have, you have, you created all these jobs. I have three of them. Uh, really? Uh, wages are so far up. Why am I living paycheck to paycheck? I mean, right. you don't, you're out of you're out of, con- you're out of uh, you know, out of contact uh, out with of, the real world. That's, yeah, yeah. that's problem number one. Problem number two, is a problem for Biden, particularly right now, and particularly with young people. And that's the Middle East. I mean, a lot of people are upset with the Biden administration for, you know, encouraging or at least embracing or not stopping Israel in Gaza. And let's face it, this is gonna be a huge, huge potential it is huge. problem.
1: And they're not wrong. I mean, this is horrific what's happening. Um, so it's we'll completely have to but as it, it's completely horrific, but as it relates to our federal election, it's interesting to think about it. And we'll have to see more will be revealed over the coming months, for worse or for better, right? I mean, well, really, also, truly, we're still yeah, far uh, away
0: from the uh, election. It, it is far away from the, the election, but also Ish. the idea that Donald Trump, the likely Republican nominee, is going to be sort of any better or would have been better uh, in know. terms of restraining Israel is absurd.
1: I know. I mean, we could talk about that. And also, right. Anyway. Okay. So next week we have, what should we look forward to? I'm not sure, but there's New
0: Hampshire. <laughs> Heather, there's so many things that, to look forward to. Was that to.
1: negative? Did that feel yeah, negative?
0: No, no. It, it sounded a little bit on the negative side. I mean, you were a positive person. I Yes. Mean, uh,
1: no, I am.
0: No. Think of all the, you know, the meals, uh, television The meals shows. or
1: the mules? <laughs>
0: The meals, <laughs> and think of—I mean, you know—think of your family and your your wonderful husband and your kid, and yeah. you have all kinds of things to look to. No, forward
1: I do to. in my personal life, but in terms of political realities, but so New well, Hampshire's there's the, coming and, up. And
0: the, there's the New Hampshire primary. I mean, right, aren't exactly. you excited? You are excited. Excited
1: is not a word I would use for me and the New Hampshire primary. I am interested to see what happens. And then again, confirmation bias will be looking to see those people who make me feel better about it.
0: Um, I, I love I love New Hampshire. You know, I, I went to college in New Hampshire and uh, I've been involved in New Hampshire primaries uh, forever, you know, starting in the late 19th century. Um, and uh, New Hampshire primaries are interesting because they can make a difference. You know, Nikki right. Haley is now basically... Nikki Haley and, and, and Donald Trump are the only candidates. And the question is, does he beat her by 40 points or by 50 points or by 30 right. points? It's kind of an we, expectations we, game.
1: We said that about Ohio. Uh, excuse me, Iowa, and it was interesting because DeSantis kind of creeped ahead. I know it wasn't by much, but... Um, it's,
0: I think... it, it, it really was insignificant. Remember right. the numbers we were dealing with. And New Hampshire is also a very, ta- a very small and very white state. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we can't read too much into it, but, uh, Donald Trump is now really attacking Haley. Uh, you know, and when we talk about Donald Trump attacking somebody, it's not just the normal, uh, attacks we have become used to in politics. It's vicious, vicious, angry, personal, uh, ad hominem. It's really the worst kinds of stuff. And,
1: uh, and sexist, by the way. There's a lot of misogyny. I mean, oh, of course. I know. I mean, his
0: it's, his, it's his trial for uh, for raping uh, uh, Miss Carroll uh, that keeps on going on. That was that was part of the week as well.
1: And then he's showing up. I mean, it's all. It's hard to ever know with him what's part of the campaign. I mean, this is there are a lot of law, lawsuits happening about this. But what's you know what's his campaigning and what's his showing up at court and what's his just being. Awful and it's all so intertwined. So we'll see it's what happens. It's completely
0: intertwined you know. because his campaign and his court performances and his performances on the campaign trail and his own sociopathic personality are all the same.
1: Yeah. And there will be more of that in The Granite State. Is that what it is? What's New yes, Hampshire? The
0: Granite State. Um, yeah. Do you want me to? Uh, shall I sing? And the granite of New Hampshire in their muscles. And their brains, that was the Dartmouth theme song.
1: Wow, and their yeah. muscles and their brains. Yeah. Um, those are good places to have the granite, I guess. I don't know. Those are some interesting lyrics, but thank yeah. you. Yeah, well,
0: Heather, you can, you can sing away and I want you to have a great week. Everybody who's watching, uh, have a great week and uh, enjoy yourself and don't pay much attention to politics. We'll bring you up to date next Saturday at the Coffee Clutch.
1: And thank you for tuning in.
0: Bye.